Today we're looking at Second Corinthians. Am I hollow? It sounds like I'm, I'm in a well or something. I don't want to be shallow or hollow. <laughs> Is that, that sounds a little better, yes. There we go. Yeah, sounds better. Was I? I was just, oh, I was kind of loud. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so, good. There we go. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 is our text today. And I uh, was liking this to two different topics, two different ideas. The one is um, we often see signs, minute work, you know, and we anticipate and, you know, you arrive there and, hope, you know, hopefully it's not a long delay trying to get the, the sign to turn and, and you're off on your way. And so minute work alerts you, people at work, alert you, work area head, there we go, uh, alert you to something ahead that you need to slow down, be aware of. And in our life, I think of it as the, the, the progression, God at work. God at work. And that as our uh, roads, especially in this area, need a lot of repairs, need a lot of um, pothole fixing in the spring and all that, they're under constant need of repair. And so we look at that and we, you know, we're kind of used to the idea that you know, people are going to be working on the roads. And in our spiritual life, I, I, I don't think we get the transition that we always need constant work. There is no once and done. There is no <laughs> Christmas, Easter religion. No, it's, it's, every, it's a consistent, everyday living that we have in our faith. And God is at work continually. And I like the Zig Ziglar quote that talks about uh, the guy who mentioned to him. He says, well, how is it that you have church every week? And, you know, why do you have to have it every week? And, and, uh, and they were complaining that, um, that it just doesn't stick. And he says, well, it's like taking a bath. You have to do it every day. <laughs> and it's like that in our spiritual life. We have to renew our faith every day. It isn't just... You know, like we said, something that's done once and then it's over. It's something that is done every day. It's something that is continually renewed in our life. It's a continual ongoing process. And it's, it's important then for us to see that God is at work in our life continually. And that as we read the scriptures and as we pray, as we come together and celebrate our faith, it's all important to our spiritual growth. So we can put a title out on, the, out on the road there or put it on the door, God at Work. And, you know, there's no perfect person, <laughs> no perfect person. All of us fall short, and sometimes we fall way short. <laughs> and, uh, but that's part of the process of change. It's part of the process of growth. And it, and it doesn't come from making up our minds, and it doesn't come from a... Um, if you, you know, um, what was I going to say, habits or changing our mind first, but it comes from changing our hearts. I was listening last night to the program they had on uh, Channel 6 about um, the heroin addictions and, you know, the, the addictive culture that's in our, in our society. And we were, I was listening to that and I thought of, we have a, we have a drug and alcohol rehabilitation program that's called Teen Challenge. And it was begun, oh, 30 some, 35, 40 years ago by David Wilkerson in New York City. 
And this teen challenge has reached around the world, and it's no longer just for teens, but it's an entire culture. And the government, the United States government, saw the success rate. They have a 90, I think it's around 90% success rate over 10 years. And some of the local rehabs and rehabs have less than one out of 100, 1% success rate. And the government came to, and they're the ones who did this um, assessment of Teen Challenge. And they came in and they said, we will fund you, we will back you, we will pay everything your needs are, but you've got to drop the God stuff. <laughs> you know? And the idea is behind Teen Challenge is that you've got to change the character. You've got to change the heart. If the heart doesn't change, nothing else changes. And it doesn't, and, and pertaining to our everyday life, we all have patterns of behavior. I won't, call, I won't call them addictions. We all have patterns of behavior. And some of those patterns are hurtful to us and destructive to our lifestyle. It's destructive to the person. And God has come to change us from the inside out so that our life can be changed. And only Jesus Christ can make that transformation. If you don't change the heart, nothing else changes. If you, you know, we can control behavior by laws, but it doesn't change the heart. And if you don't change the heart, the behavior is going to look for a way to break the law, get outside of the law. But whenever God changes our heart, we have a way of wanting to fulfill it, wanting to follow Christ and follow his teachings. And the challenge for us is to allow God to make that change in us. We can't do it on our own. You can't be a Christian without Christ. And we need that daily renewal, our daily walk with God. And we need that in our life if there's going to be this ongoing transformation, this ongoing work that God is doing in our life. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without the unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. So the things that we can't see are the things that are going to last forever. With this um, typhoon that hit in the Philippines, that perhaps that's what's put the people on the alert, but I mentioned this in the Sunday school. About four or five people this week have asked me, do you think that this is the end of times? Do you think that the world is coming to an end? With all these, you know, last, in the last few years, we've had the hurricanes of the century. We've had the floods of the century. We've had... Things that are just beyond the norm. And people say, you know, people have asked me this week, and that's what, as I was looking at this scripture and thinking about it, you know, kind of fit into this whole idea that um, is this the last time? Is this the last days? Are we preparing for the coming of Christ? Well, if you look at the TV shows, some of them, they're about preparing, what are they doing? They're preparing shelters. They are looking for building bunkers and doomsday shelters is what they're called. 
and they're building doomsday vehicles, and they're, you know, looking at these and stocking up on guns and ammunition and how that they're going to be able to keep themselves safe in the time when everything kind of falls apart. Well, as we look at our life, is this the end of times? Is this the, the end in which Jesus Christ is going to return for his church? Well, far be it for me to know that it's going to happen today or 20 years from now. But we are to prepare our hearts, and not out of fear, but out of anticipation. See, our anticipation is that when Jesus Christ is in our hearts and our lives, he gives us strength for the day. And we know that if, if God meets our needs today, he will meet our needs tomorrow. Whenever I um, worked in the hospital and with hospice, um, I thought sometimes people were very, you know, people became very frightened. Well, what's going to happen to me tomorrow? What's going to happen with this disease and this progression? What's going to happen in this whole progression of, 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 the di di excuse me, of the disease? And I would ask people, well, what do you need now? What is your greatest need now? And I said, we're going to take care of that. And if we can take care of that need now, we will take care of tomorrow's when it gets here. And as we think about our life, we have an eternity with God, but yet we have to feel safe, saved, forgiven in the present. And whenever we ask Christ to forgive us and live within our hearts, we are safe in this moment with Jesus Christ, that our, our sins are forgiven, our life is established, our eternal life is established. So as God takes care of us today, we have the security that he's going to take care of us tomorrow. And no matter what happens this afternoon or tomorrow, we are safe because nothing can separate us from the love of God. So, is this the end? Is Christ coming? Well, we prepare. As we look at, in this, in this last part of the text says, there are four, far more here, uh, there's far more going on here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow. This, this whole planet, this whole place that we live in, at some, at some point in time out in the future is going to be replaced. And God says that he will create a new heavens and a new earth, and that's a whole study in itself. But the things that we look at, even if, even if nothing changes and we're in a hundred years from now, we're gone Who's going to own the piece of property, the land you're on, the house you're in? And who's going to own that? You see, the only thing we have that is ours is you. <laughs> the only thing you have that's eternal is what is inside. Now, we know the body perishes because we, we, we know that body stops functioning. But we, we, the, what is presented in the scriptures is presented to us about life. And everything that is life in us lives forever. And the change that we are looking at in our life doesn't come because I make up my mind. It comes because I have a change of heart. And then my thinking is brought into line. And then my actions are brought into line. And we're not, and, and I always think of it, Sometimes the church has been not noted for, you know, well, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, and you got to do this. And if you do all these things, then you're going to get in. Jesus says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, if you confess. 
Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His blood was shed upon the cross for us to be saved. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John the Baptist said. So it's in that forgiveness that we are established in the church of Jesus Christ. It's in that forgiveness that God works in our hearts and begins to initiate the, the growth. We don't work our way into progression of being saved. Salvation is a confession. But becoming a Christian, becoming a, how long will it take for this little one to grow up? <laughs> I think we have seven babies here today. Yes. <laughs> That's a good thing. How long will it take for them to grow up? How do you keep one from falling over the pew? <laughs> How do you keep the baby from falling over the pew? How do you keep a baby from falling down? You don't. You keep them from falling over the pew, but you can't keep them from falling down. In our Christian life, there is a growth, and there is a maturing, and there is a growing up. And we all are in that process. And we will continue to grow in our relationship with Christ until the day we die. And so there is an ongoing growth, an ongoing process of how the God works in our life. Verse 16 says, so we're not giving up. How could we? How could we even think of giving up? Well, what about this, and what about that, and what about these things? How could we ever think of giving up? No matter what happens in our life, how could we ever think of giving up? This week, had a, had a phone call, and a person that was calling was, they were crying on the phone because of what had happened to a family member, and how that this family member was in between life and death. And they wanted to know why. Why did this happen now? Why are they ill? And I don't have the answers to why, you know. Why does a person have a heart attack? Why does a person have a broken leg? Well, we can say, well, they had heart disease or they had too much cholesterol or they had this and they had that and that caused them to have a heart attack or, you know, if you fall down a, a flight of stairs and your leg gets bent out of shapes so that it shouldn't go, well, that's why it broke. <laughs> I, I remember one, one individual I was pray I went to visit and uh, they had a broken arm and I said to them, I said, well, well, how did, how did you break your arm? She and she said, well, God pushed me. <laughs> I go, okay. <laughs> you know, I was kind of, you know, I was kind of taken back. You know, God pushed me. And um, so, and, and I, I didn't want to ask her how she knew God pushed her, but anyhow, and so after we talked for a while, I said, well, is there anything you would like me to pray for? And she says, well, yes, could you pray that God would heal my broken arm? And I thought, wow, what a, what, a, what a relationship with God. He pushes me down so he can make me better. You know, I, it's like, I'll give you this, give you this, you know, to a little child. You see this candy? Do you want it? And after they start crying, you know, you pull it away, you know, you pull it away and they start crying and then you have to ask them for it. You know. What a mixed up philosophy we have. But how are we going, how could we ever think of giving up? The challenge for us is to bring our understanding of God into alignment with what the scriptures actually teach us. And sometimes people make God like themselves. It's just a bigger, badder version, <laughs> you know? 
a bigger, badder version that, well, I won't even go there. So if you took your, yourself and you started imagining if you had all power, what you would do, I'd fix all them people, you know. I would make sure they, you know, they get out, of, they do it right, and I would fix them. But you see, God, and as it says in the text here, it's unfolding grace that when problems happen in our life, it isn't that God is trying to, well, push you down so he can make you better. It is every situation is an unfolding of God's grace in our life. Every situation is an unfolding of God's grace. And what is God's grace? Unmerited favor. That God does not look at us better than or worse than any other person. He looks at us with a divine favor that says he loves us. And in our life, no matter what we are facing, success or failure, we are looking at that and the unfolding of God's grace is given to us and that grace is full of mercy and power and strength. So here we are taking our daily bath in the word of God where the unfolding grace is just being poured over us, being showered over us, to help in every situation of our life and every day of our life and every moment of our life. So that no matter where we are at, in the middle of a typhoon or on the beach in Florida having a vacation, unfolding grace, unfolding grace, unfolding grace. You see, there's an outward you and the inner you. Um, if you want to know what the outward you is, Take your finger, have your fingers like this. Got it? Reach down and pinch your arm until it hurts. That's the outer you. <laughs> okay, do that to your neighbor. No, don't do that to your neighbor. <laughs> Some of you would get carried away with that, I know. Yeah. It's like the uh, preacher who somebody was sleeping in his congregation, and uh, he asked the usher to go wake him up. And the usher said, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. So <laughs> just reach over and pinch him. That's how you do it. Yeah. So there is an outer you and there is an inner you. The outer you is your body, your reputation, you know, the person you are, the person you're known for, your looks, you know, your baldness. You know, whatever it is, you are, that's your outer you. But the inner you is your character, your spirit, your soul. The outer you is what everybody sees. The inner you is your life. That part of you that makes the decisions between good and evil. The part of you that feels and, and has an unction and has desires to do or not do. That's the inner you. And that's the inner you that chooses life and chooses to believe and chooses to accept what God is, what God is doing in your life. And it's also the part of you that chooses people use to choose to do evil. So... Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart. Can you imagine that type of greeting? Hello, it looks like things are falling apart on you. <laughs> it's, just, it's in there. It's in the Bible, <laughs> out of context. But uh, on the, it's, even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. So next time you see, next time you see me, and I'm half bent over and I'm not moving very well, you don't say, Pastor, looks like things are falling apart on you. <laughs> so, but even though we look, at, we look at our 
society. <laughs> we look at our world and we see the destructiveness of nature and we see <laughs> sometimes what we would call maybe the misguided efforts of government and it all depends on which side we're on if it's misguided or not. But on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart, losing a job, becoming ill. Looks like things are falling apart. Well, no matter how much things fall apart, we will never cease to exist. No matter how bad things seem to be, we will never cease to be the person on the inside. And that person is the one that lives forever. That's the person that is able to deal with the difficult issues. Because out of our heart become, comes our desires and comes the, the importance of who we are. And that's why God deals with the heart. His disciples wanted to know, Jesus, which one of us is going to be best? Which one of us is going to sit on your right hand and on your left? And it's the, it's the one who makes the most noise. No, it's not the one who makes the most noise. Uh, <laughs> they're the ones that get the special attention, you know. And, but we never mind. I always want kids. I always want kids, to, I always want kids to disrupt the service because it's a real problem when, when adults do. So <laughs> I always want kids to disrupt the service. So anyhow, no matter how bad things get, there's always hope always hope there's always hope where's hope downstairs <laughs> oh she's back there there he is there's hope uh, so there's always hope and she's not a beautiful lady sitting in the corner there's always hope is the hope of jesus christ and the hope and, and you know uh, this definition has to stick with us hope in the scriptures okay hope in the scriptures is not about well, i hope it's a nice day Hope in the scriptures is there is an event that is in the future. We just haven't arrived at it. That's the hope. See, like, the Bible says that the, the return of Jesus Christ is our blessed hope. That means Jesus Christ is returning. We just haven't reached that point yet. So hope in the scriptures is we will, God will make a way for us. I hope God will make a way for us. It's in, in the definition of the scriptures, it is God will make a way for us. We just haven't arrived there yet. So until we get there, we're going to believe and we're going to do and we're going to anticipate the good things that God is going to do in our life. That's the hope of scripture. In anticipation of and doing the right things for the right reasons and till we arrive at that place that it's going to be fulfilled. It's not a wishfulness, it is a, it is a certainty. And so the inner you, the inner you, that part that doesn't respond to this, but responds to this, <laughs> the part in you that doesn't respond to the pinch, but responds to the prayer, that's the inner you. And that part of us is what God is dealing with to change us. You know, Paul declared, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. That I am safe now and I am safe for, for, for eternity. 
because of my relationship with Jesus Christ and its ongoing daily bath. So when the outer you, <laughs> when the outer you seems to be falling apart, check on the inner you. Uh, the inner you that is part of the daily life. We say, well, that's the physical part. No, the inner you has an effect upon the outer. And who is a, what, is a, what is a first responder? She went to the back. <laughs> what is a first responder? Anybody know who a first responder is? First person on the scene and is generally a woman, yeah. <laughs> it's Sammy. And what is Sammy? What are you? Firefighter. So who are generally the first people, first responders? Firemen? Police and ambulance. Those are, I might be others, but those are primarily our first responders. So when there is a, an accident, there you are. Aaron, what are the first responders? Who are first responders? Firemen? There you go. Fire, there's the expert right there. Firemen, police, and EMS. So they are the first responders. Now, who are your first responders? When you arrive at a crisis, what is the first thing you say in your life? <laughs> when something goes wrong in your life, who are your first responders? Oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> what? God help me. Or why did this happen, God? Crying, yelling, complaining, denial, and pouting. <laughs> if they are your first responders, you need to fire them. <laughs> because our first responders are there to rescue. Our first responders are there to help. And if our first responders inside of us, inside of our character, are not reflective of God, His grace, His mercy, His sustaining power, then we are... Can you imagine a, a first responder... You know, a fireman coming along and saying, wow, this isn't a big enough fire. Let's throw some more stuff on it and get it going. Can you imagine that type of a first responder? Can you imagine the, the ambulance coming up and saying, well, you know, they don't amount to much. <laughs> Let's just leave them alone. Look at our first responders, and emotionally and spiritually. Look at how we respond to crises in our own life. I'll never make it. It's just another bad thing. Our society is terrible. Our world is corrupt. Our, our government is this. And, and that's our first responders. Hello. Is there any wonder we have a problem? <laughs> Change your first responders. Your first responder is faith. Hope expectation of good. God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God, this looks bad, and I have to deal with it. I'm not talking about denial. Denial is, don't worry about it, everything will be okay. No. Faith is, I have a very real problem. I have a very real God. I have a very real promise. I have a great hope, expectation of what God is going to do. You see, that is a first responder that causes us to heal, 
to get back in the race, to get up and go again spiritually. Even if we can't physically, we can do it spiritually. We can do it from an inner expectation that God is at work in my life and that these are just temporary setbacks. You know, they're speed bumps on the road of life. <laughs> I needed to slow down. I need to look at things differently. I need to see things more clearly. I need to understand that God is at work in my heart. God at work. <laughs> God at work. So immediately when something goes wrong, well, is it really? Is it really that wrong? Or is it an opportunity that just looks like something wrong? Is it an opportunity that's going to change my life and it looks like it's something wrong that needs to be stopped. But, in a, but I can't stop it. But I've got to see how God is at work in this situation. So, how many need to fire your first responders? <laughs> uh, none of you. How many, need to how many need to fire your first responders? David does. We need to fire our first responders. It says it's not going to work. It's bad. No. God is at work. God is at work. Everybody say that God is at work pretty easy, isn't it? Can you imagine that being your first response? Oh, God's at work. <laughs> God's at work. God, there I have a difficulty. God's at work. Fire your first responders. So, the outward man will perish, and no matter what we have in shelters and storm shelters and in survival shelters and all those things. And if people are so inclined to do so, to build them and to have them, fine. But our first response is what Jesus Christ is going to do in us because he is our shelter in the time of storm. We have different kinds of care for our health, but we have Jesus' care <laughs> that will take care of us spiritually that Jesus is going to make a difference in our life. You see, God is at work. Nothing can separate me from God. Distress or persecution, famine or nakedness, peril or sword. Nothing can separate. God is at work. Can you imagine Paul being stoned and drug out of the city for dead? Saying, well, you know, this is really bad. I think I should give up on God. <laughs> How about Paul in prison? It's, it's all over now. No, it's only be, just begun. Because he wrote from the prison, he wrote his epistles that we now read. You see, God is at work. So we receive. We receive in what God is doing. We rejoice in what God is doing. Rejoice lifts our inner person. Rejoicing makes us expect something good. Rejoicing helps us to see. We're not just being, well, I'm happy because I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy because I believe in God. And happy depends on happenings. Joy comes from the heart. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it has not yet appeared, been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure, 1 John 3. So we find that everyone who has this hope in them has an expectation of good, purity, of great, that God is going to work in his life. Our shelter is Jesus Christ. Our provider is Jesus Christ. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow. 
but we see how God is at work. And uh, I, I remember a person years ago, I went to visit them in their house, and um, they, I was referred there by a friend of a friend of a friend, you know. And, and I went to work, I went to there to talk to him, and he says, well, I'm expecting to get a job. I said, well, that's good, that's great. I said, well, where did you put in your application? He says, oh, I haven't yet. I believe God's going to provide for me. That's okay. Have you read the newspaper where there are jobs to find? Oh, no, God is going to provide for me. I said, okay. Uh, so do you have any idea what you want to do? He says, oh, no, God will direct me. And after a while, I said, you mean to tell me you're sitting in your house, you've told no one that you want a job, you've looked for no job, and you believe that you're going to get a job? Because yeah, that's right. I said, you think that someone's going to come to your door and knock on your door and ask if you will work? He said, yeah, that's right. I said, it's not going to happen. <laughs> because God, we are part of the answer to every prayer we pray. My faith moves me to action. It's not all on me. It's not all about me. But I am part of the answer to my prayer. I've got to have enough faith to believe in moving the hand of God. But I've got to have enough faith to allow God to move me. And that's where God is at work. Doing a work in us. But if we don't do our part, you know, reading the Bible, daily bath. You know what? I believe I need a bath. Okay? Have you gotten in the tub? No. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you use water? Oh, no. No, I don't need water. I have faith. <laughs> you ever met somebody who took a bath like that? You haven't met stink. <laughs> One time, and now I'll close with this. One time we were in, we were in South Africa. And we were going between Zimbabwe and um, South Africa and the border crossing. And there was this guy that we had a sign on the side of the car that said where we, who we were from. And there was a ministry and so on. And this guy's standing on the road. He's waving us down. And, and we needed help. <laughs> you know, we'd been rejected from going into one country because of an African who was with us. And he didn't have his necessary papers, and they were going to throw us in prison because we were trying to smuggle this guy in front of us into the country, and they were going to throw us all in prison. So, you know, it's like, we're not smuggling. He's standing here. Oh, you're smuggling us. What he wanted was some money. But anyhow, you're smuggling this person into the country. We didn't know that. Too dumb to know that stuff. So we, we, so we couldn't get into the country, and we couldn't, get back to, we couldn't get back to the other country, so we're stuck in this about a half a mile between these two borders, and there's people walking and stuff, and there's this guy he says, I know how to help you. It's okay. <laughs> we open up the car and let him in. Well, this is, an, this is an individual probably hasn't had a bath. He believed in God, and he believed in bathing. He just hadn't had one for about three or four years, maybe longer. And I don't know if you've been around somebody who hasn't had a bath in five, seven years, <laughs> and maybe wore the same clothes the whole time and you get in a car with them at 100 degrees, <sighs> do you need a bath? <laughs> Spiritually? You see, sometimes when you don't, you get used to the smell. <laughs> you get used to the same old stuff. 
And God is saying, you need to begin again. You need a fresh start. You need a fresh cleansing of your soul. And you need to do that every day. Read the word. Pray. Ask God for his forgiveness. Ask God for his direction. Ask God for his love and the faith enough to believe to move the hand of God and faith enough to believe that God is moving you. Amen? Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your... We thank you for the strength that you give us each day. And Lord, it is the power of your word and of your spirit that changes us from the inside out. We thank you, Lord, for your unfolding grace. Your unfolding grace in every situation of life, we thank you. We ask, O oh God, your blessing upon us. Lord, as we renew ourselves in your presence, we renew ourselves, we ask, O oh God, for your forgiveness. We ask, O oh God, for your love. We ask, O oh God, for your unfolding grace in our life. We thank you, Jesus, for these things. Bless us now, Lord, that we might be blessings. Give into our life that we might give unto others. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Go home and take a bath. No. <laughs> yes. What's that? Oh, did we make it back in the other country? Yeah, obviously I'm here, but it took, it took some finagling to get back and forth. I didn't finish the story, huh? <laughs>